friends to the MailRite Real Estate Agent Podcast Show. We are on episode 132. My name is Thomas Nelson, my co-host Jonathan Denwood, and I welcome our guest this week, uh, Jordan Boys. He's a Canadian broker who's done a great job building a brand for himself and his company in Saskatoon, Canada. So uh, Jordan, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Uh, Jonathan, do you want to introduce yourself before I dive into questions with Jordan? Yeah, sure. I'm the founder of MailRite, folks. We're a marketing platform that have a number of tools that help make your Facebook advertising and lead generation more effective. Back to you, Thomas. All right. And I'm a residential realtor here in San Diego, California, where I'm serving the military, retirees, and I'm working with uh, a niche of, unfortunately, uh, a growing niche in California, the divorced couples. But I'm helping them make informed decisions in the process of going through a, a difficult time. I'm with Big Block Realty, and we're going to dive into this show today with our special guest, Jordan Boys. Jordan, I, um, I did a little bit of reading up on you um, on your robust website, and I wanted to kind of uh, set up who you are and how you got where you are by starting at the beginning. Uh, when did you actually get licensed to, to be a realtor? Um, I first got licensed in 2010. So when I started or taking the courses, it was a lot different than it is now. We only had to take uh, residential and introduction to real estate. So I was up and licensed in 28 days. Oh, wow. And yeah. Since then, they've changed it. Now you got to take commercial farm and residential just to trade residential. Oh, so wow. they're just making you go through a little bit more process now. But 2010, um, I think about March is when I started. Okay. Well, that's a lot that even so it's a quicker process than it is, uh, here in California, at least the, I, I know it took me several weeks to get through the, te uh, the tests and, uh, and then to take the state exam, the, there was a mandatory waiting period. I don't remember how oh, much, okay. but it, it felt like, um, it was like 30 days or something. I, I don't recall. It was almost 20 years ago, but um, yeah. I just, I just remember from start to finish, it took a while. Um, so that, that's, um, but it sounds like that, uh, Canada's decided to really test the merits of the people getting a license to make sure that they're, uh, competent, f um, in what they're doing. And, uh, it's not just some 30, 30 day rush decision to, to get a license. No, no. And it, it depends. Like it's correspondence here. So, um, some people might take a couple months, some might take a year. Ah. Right? When you feel you're ready, you go in and um, write a test at the kind of university or SIAST okay. type place. And if, yeah, if you don't pass, you can pay again and rewrite. They have tests every two Mondays, I believe. So. Oh, okay. Well then now 2010, you, you got licensed. So prior to that, what were you doing? What was your career? I was actually a professional poker player for six years. Really? Yeah. So, so this was a very natural transition. Yeah. I was actually going to do real estate before. And I'd met with a few brokers when I was like 19 or 20. And just the general feel was probably too young. Yeah. Uh, especially here. It was a real kind of old boys club at the time. And I, it made sense, but I, I kind of regret it now. But so I, I went and did that. I had a few friends that were doing it. And had met him through work, and we just kind of started playing, and 
then one day I was making more playing two hours after work than I was going to work. So <laughs> quit my job and started doing that. Well, now did you travel with that? Or was that something that you competed in? Like A we- bit, like 99% of the time we were playing online. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So we, we played the world series in Vegas Wow. one year and world poker tour in LA and a few things, but majority was online. So you must be ferocious to negotiate with. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it was just a different lifestyle, just basically sitting on a computer all day, clicking buttons. So, Well, it could feel like that some days in real estate, too. Yeah, fair <laughs> all right. Well, then, um, what, so, but why were you thinking of real estate before and, and what brought you back to real estate? Why, did, wh- why was real estate calling you? It's something that just always interests me the whole industry as a whole like not so much just the selling and buying i mean yeah that's what we do but the the other avenues that you can get into whether it's you know rental properties land development building houses that was the aspect that that really interested me we're just starting to dabble in that a little bit but um still selling and the brokerage is my main focus it's just something that always I don't know. It was always there for me. When you say you're starting to dabble in development? Yeah, a bit. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, just financing some like builds and... Oh, okay. Gotcha. Stuff like that. Yeah. So um, now, what were... Um, well, how long were you a, an agent before you became a broker or did you immediately become a broker? No, I was an agent with a different independent company in the city here for five years. So I went out on my own in 2015. What, what led you to that crossroads where you, you realized it was time to go out on your own? What was motivating you? At the time, I, I liked the independent model. And you, you could argue this all day. Um, independent franchise, independent franchise. I, and this is just me personally, didn't see a huge amount of value in it in our city. Um, we're only 250,000 people here. So it's not, it's still a pretty small, small town feel in a lot of ways. So more and more, I began to think it was, it was all referral and repeat. And at the end of the day, people didn't really care what sign was on your lawn. Um, They used you for you. So when our previous company, they got bought out by Royal page. So I'd already been thinking about going out on my own and I'd been forming a team. And once they got bought. That was the biggest independent brokerage in the province. Um, I felt it was a good time to kind of step in. Yep. So yeah, May of 2015, we went on our own and opened up. So, but before you left the brokerage to start your own, you had already formed a team at that point? Yeah, like we were, it was a team of about, there were about three or four of us, like um, still within the company, but I had a couple of people helping me with buyers and then I brought my brother into the industry yep. and then our assistant as well. So, okay. Yeah. I saw that your brother, yeah. I assumed he was your brother. I saw him on your website. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah. then you, um, when you were setting this up though, that you wanted to go beyond a team, obviously you, cause I, I, according to your website, it looks like you have a couple dozen people working with you, a couple eight as a um, couple dozen agents. So, um, yeah, well, like just go ahead. A couple came on today, so oh, really? We're getting near sixty now. Wow. So okay. I think it's fifty-seven or 
58-ish. Wow, yeah. Well, it, it, when you were when you were building the model for the brokerage, because like, I, I read, you know, what I was impressed by was what your vision was for your brokerage because of how frustrated you were with the existing brokerages in your town. So what, what did you sit down to, to um, do with your brokerage to, to set it apart and make it unique? Um, I really looked at some of the, the models since we weren't going to get kind of double dipped on, for instance, for paying franchise fees. Right. And, um, franchise and institutional advertising, we kind of put that money back into our agents more so in some lead generation tools and probably like there are a huge amount of agents don't make it past their first or second year. Um, we've had seven or eight brand new ones start. They're all still with us. So big focus was on, uh, agents getting past that hurdle and training was our main main thing starting out. Like when I started, I wasn't from the city, so I didn't know anybody. Uh, I just went out there and kind of did it. And so I kind of teach the methods that made me successful when I started out. So what, what are the stats in Canada for an agent making it? Or let me ask you this. How, how many years do you go before you have to renew your license? Uh, what do you mean? Sorry. Like we, we, well, we have to renew every year. Every year. Okay. See, in, yeah, Cali- so- in California, I only have to renew every four years. So that's why I ask. Um, because the stat in California, um, at least, is we're seeing a 90% non-renewal rate. So the guy that got his license today in four years has a 90% failure rate. Yeah, I don't think it would be quite that high here. Um, I can't speak for all of Canada, but I know we have to, like with our board, we have to pay once a year. And then the real estate commission that governs everyone, we pay them a separate fee once a year as well to stay licensed. Okay. So getting back to how you set up your brokerage, I'm curious now, you you said you reinvested into the lead generation. So what what are you offering your your, uh, agents that work for you? What kind of lead generation tools? Um, a lot of, uh, like funnels and landing pages. Um, I did a lot of training on kind of creating Facebook funnels and directing people that way. And then we also hired a, we have a full-time, um, social media girl that just straight works on SEO and website development and agent help. She's on Facebook chat pretty much 24 seven for any of our agents to reach her. Wow. So yeah, it's been a huge benefit for us. So are you getting a lot of lead generation out of Facebook? Yeah, quite a bit. Um, And more so just through like Google um, and the different landing pages we have running. It's pretty much paying a lot of the agents um, bills for the year with the amount of leads they're getting. Just, you know, the few deals here and there offline that they used to not get. So... So when you say Google, though, are you talking about AdWords or, or are you putting at different kinds? What, what kind of marketing are you doing like on Google? Like sign-up type pages, right? Okay. Where, see, yeah. Kind and of then, like a, a Boomtown type thing. I don't know if you... Yep, we have Boomtown. program we use, but, you know, similar different ones. And then we, through, uh, there's all sorts of them now through like lead pages and click funnels and sites like that to get set up and running too. 
What are you using as the enticement for um, the people to click through? What, what's the item of value you're offering? Uh, it depends on what kind of campaign it's going to be. Um, if it's an off-market listing that's coming up or one that would be a good revenue property, a great first-time home buyer one, um, it totally de- depends. There's no real set structure we have for that. Okay, makes sense, though. I mean, you got to tailor to the ad. Yeah, exactly. So then we, yeah, you got to constantly change them too. So, so boring. what, what is, um, getting back to, to just how you recruit, you said you just had a couple of people come on. What, what is the criteria that your company has for recruiting people? What, what are you looking for in an agent when you, when you hire them and, um, and what, you know, what are they lacking when you don't hire them? Uh, not so much on the, their previous business. I mean, that's, that's something if we're taking on a brand new agent, I mean, that's what they did before kind of, I judge their personality one-on-one more than anything. Um, I feel I have a pretty good read of character that way for bringing agents over. Um, kind of goes back to the small city type thing. Uh, for us, it's big time on uh, their reputation in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I like to form my own opinion of people. Who knows? They might have had one Diogo sideways and someone's running their mouth. But yeah. at the end of the day, you can you can tell so pretty quickly. Or we know just from being around for the time we have now. So so character's big then. It, it's huge. It, uh, yeah. And then what about uh, training? Once they're on board, uh, it, do you subscribe to any formal trainings, like any of the, you know, like the Brian Buffinis or the Tom Ferries of the world? Uh, no, we do it all our own in-house. Um, I've had a few coaches over the year. Um, and we still, I still have an online coach that helps with all the funnels and stuff like that. But we do our, um, on different topics, weekly or biweekly training um, up in a boardroom in our office. Who, and then Who runs your trainings? Uh, myself and uh, we have a manager that okay. does as well. And another agent that is um, extremely familiar with the online. Gotcha. Um, lead generation. And then I, we do a lot of screen recording and videos for the agents on how to set things up. Ah, okay. Just because so it's, when you get that many agents, I mean, we're mid fifties now, if you get to 70, 80, a hundred, you're never going to get them all together at once. Yeah. So going yeah. online seems to just be easier and then they can watch it when they want. That makes sense. I mean, uh, my office does that too, uh, in the sense that we, We'll do uh, in-office meetings for those that actually want to go in, but they broadcast it online right. so you can watch it from anywhere online. Yeah, uh, exactly. Which, it's, yeah, because, I mean, to coordinate that many schedules, it just you could put a message out to say, hey, team meeting next week at 10 a.m. It's not going to work for half. Right. And so, yeah. So do the best you can. What about tools, like, as far as, like, uh, do you, is there a specific CRM you use uh, company-wide? Uh, company wide. Yeah. I use right now. I dabble between a few of them. Um, I like HubSpot, but it gets a little pricey for what it does. We use get response and MailChimp. Oh, okay. Quite a bit. And and what about transaction management? Do you, is, is that all online for your company? Yeah. hundred percent. We are broker wolf or lone wolf technologies. Lo- okay. Lone wolf. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm familiar with them. I, I was associated with a company out of Sacramento that used that for a while. Yeah, it's pretty steep learning curve. Yes. I found, but <laughs> once you got it, it's, I mean, it, it's a great program, but yeah, it's, it's tough to learn. So as far as your lead generation goes, um, what, what are you finding is the number one source of your leads? Uh, you mentioned the Facebook, but is that your number one or what, what do you attribute most of your business coming in the door from? My personal or brokerage? Let's start with you. Yeah. You, you yourself. Uh, my personal is probably like 90% uh, repeat and referral now. So how are you generating that repeat business? How do you stay in touch with your clients? Uh, through mail outs or call or text. I prefer text. I text a lot. Um, I just had read somewhere that I think it was Verizon or something in the States did a survey that 90% of phone calls go unanswered, but 97% of texts get read as soon as they're sent. <laughs> so the, you know, no one returns voicemails anymore. So it's mainly text, but for my personal business, a lot of them are developers. So, you know, they're building five, 10, 20, 30 houses a year. So we just keep doing their business. Oh, and okay. A lot do infills as well. So we sell them a old house. They tear it down, build new. So a, a lot of that stuff. And then first time buyers, just from the age we're at, uh, with, with my brother and myself, just a lot of our friends in our social circle is starting to get into the market a bit more. Yeah, I think before we go any further, Thomas, we need to go for our break, Thomas. Oh, yeah, it's commercial time already. <laughs> All right, Jonathan, take it away. We're going to go for our break, uh, folks. We're going to come back. We're going to have a, I think it's been a fascinating discussion with Jordan. And um, we'll be back in a few moments, folks. Do you want quality leads from homeowners and buyers right in your own neighborhood? Then you need MailRite. It is a powerful but easy-to-use online marketing system that uses Facebook to generate real estate leads at a fraction of the cost you'd pay from our competition. We stand behind our work with a no-question-asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Get started today. Go to mail-right.com. We're coming back, folks. We've had, a, I think, a really fascinating conversation with Jordan. Back to you, Thomas. All right. And just to remind everyone, you are listening to episode 132 of the MailRite Real Estate Agent Podcast Show. And we are speaking to our special guest, Jordan Boys from Canada today. He's a broker up in uh, Saskatoon. And uh, we're diving into how he created a brand that is setting itself apart in his town uh, Jordan, back to what we were discussing, I, I was curious to know um, with the text, um, because th this is where I was going, um, do you include video text? Do you, do you, is video marketing part of your marketing plan? Marketing, yes, but client follow-up, no. Okay. Like I don't send them videos to just touch base with them and stuff, but um, yeah, like either Facebook message, I'm on Messenger, I mean it's just like text now on your phone. Yep. So um, yeah, a lot of just touch and base with them, text, mail outs, not mail outs in terms of physical mail, sorry, but through get response or MailChimp. Gotcha. Yeah. And then follow up after they moved into their house or sellers, we at least contact them once a week with how things are going. Are you doing anything in the way of purchasing leads or do you just strictly generate leads? Um, no, what we 
purchased in a way that we pay to run the software and the ads to lead people back to it, right? Okay. But not actual from a third party saying, hey, we got these five buyers ready to go pay us X. We, we don't do any of that. Okay. Glad to hear it. <laughs> yeah. No, I'd, I'm not too actually too familiar with that here. Yeah. It's, it's a big thing in the States. Um, what kind of market are you having right now? What's, what's the climate like in your market? Steady now for our mid-range houses. Um, condos are pretty depressed right now. Really? It's starting to level off, but we, we hit a peak kind of in 2014, 2015. Uh-huh. And then we're a pretty big like uh, resource sector. So oil, potash, everything kind of tanked in value. And then the market fell. We overbuilt. There are way too many condos on the market. Mm. And prices actually fell quite a bit. And now we're kind of, they're not falling as much now, but still not going up. We're, we're just kind of leveled off here. It, it's still firmly a, a buyer's market. Okay. That's, um, that sounds very familiar to, to me because in California in 2006, we started seeing that happen. And by 2007, uh, the developers, especially in downtown San Diego, realized that they had definitely overbuilt. We saw a ton of uh, investors turn what they were going to flip into rentals, right. which then also saturated the rental market, which depressed all the, mar- the, the, the rental values. So we went through that for a number of years before we recovered. But, um, you know, but coming out the other side of it, now they're, you know, there's a dozen cranes downtown and uh, there's, oh, for sure. you know, it, it bounces back. I mean, what we're seeing uh, help our uh, resurgence is uh, not only the first time buyers, but there's a lot of second home buyers uh, that are buying in uh, downtown because they, um, they use it as a destination location or they might oh. be... Yeah, uh, you know, for a vacation rental, um, you know, or they snowbird here. Well, we have some. For a while, we were getting a lot of Canadians and Pacific Northwest uh, buying second homes down here, uh, and then they would winter down here and and then uh, go back to uh, go back home for their spring and summer. Yeah, that certainly isn't the case here. People, yeah, people buy down there to get away from here. <laughs> <laughs> we we got get some pretty nasty winters and a ton of snow, so it's not not a place to typically vacation to. Yeah. Well, earlier you mentioned that you were new in town. Where did you uh, when you arrived from? Uh, where did you? Where, well, I, uh, let me rephrase. Where did you come from? <laughs> yeah, I came, grew up on a farm from a town of about eight hundred people. So. In 2002, when I graduated high school, I moved to the city then, uh, okay. but not knowing a, I, I mean, I knew a few friends from my town that also moved because in our hometown, you kind of, jobs are very limited, right? When you have a town of 800 people. So you either take over the family farm or a lot of people would move away and go to school or look for work in the city and farming just wasn't in it for me. Was that still in the province of Saskatchewan? <laughs> still in Saskatchewan, yeah. We're okay. about, uh, you know, two and a half hour drive, like 300 kilometers away from the city I grew up. So what did you do to start? I mean, because uh, I, 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 even though I didn't make uh, a huge move, I, I moved 500 miles away from my hometown to come to San Diego. Yeah, and, I, 
And I remember what that was like when you get to town and you know nobody. And uh, so what did you do to start meeting people and and earning their trust as uh, to be be their realtor? Yeah, I was going into the office a lot when I first started. Um, And one thing I picked up on or just noticed is they would give the more veteran agents tended to hate doing sign calls. So when they get a call on their listing, you know, random person. Um, so I volunteered to start taking them. And then from there, the main thing that got me going and was pretty much all my success was doing open houses. Yeah. Um, I was, that's where I picked up pretty much every single buyer that I ever met. I, my first year in 10 months, I think did 88 transactions and I bet you 85 of them were buyers from open houses. Wow. That's was, a huge response. Yeah, I was doing six a weekend for six months straight. I didn't miss a day. Wow. That's incredible. So Jonathan and I have a huge debate. That's why you see him going berserk right now because he's a huge supporter of open houses. Uh, I, I tend to not do open houses because I haven't had a good experience doing them um, as far as recapturing business. So what did you do? Uh, educate me because Jonathan's trying to get me to get back out and do open houses. What did you do to convert people so that they didn't just come in, see the house and blow you off and and move on? Yeah. So, I mean, it depends why you're doing the open house, right? I think with today's, you know, day and age and market doing an open house to sell a house, I, I don't see a ton of value in that at all. Right. Unless, you have a project, you know, you have a show home and you have 50 other homes or 50 other units that you can show people and you're selling them right from the open house. Right. But to go do one, you know, resale single family home to try and sell it, you're, in my opinion, wasting time. Yeah. Um, now, yeah, to pick up buyers, on the other hand, that is, yeah, that's all I did. And it, it worked. Just depends. I had kind of my pitch that I'd give. and. A lot of people ask me, they're like, well, what did you say? Or what do you do? And it depends. Like I've said this before, but if a 60 year old couple comes in one day versus a 25 year old single guy, I'm probably going to bring up a different conversation. Right. Right. Odds are, I'm not going to ask the couple, you know, what did you guys get up to last night? Or where'd you go out where the young guy I'm going to, and just kind of try to find some common ground, ask them about you know, if they're watching the football game later in the day or whatever I can to strike up the conversation. The last thing I'm trying to do when they come in is just start, you know, pitching the house and give me your contact information. That, that is safe for the very end after they've, you know, made our small talk, looked around. Then you start going into the, well, you know, have you been, how long have you been looking? Is this the area you're looking for? And, you know, if they're like, oh no, we're just starting out. Then I go into the, you know, well, has anybody been helping you? And if they're, say, we're just looking on our own, you know, then offer to set them up on an auto email. Or I always had the other um, vacant homes in the area printed off. Ah. If they were a similar price range, so I could offer to take them to them right after to just spend more time with them. Yep. But yeah, there are weekends where I'd go home with, you know, 10 to 15 emails from one open house. Wow. You see, um, I think you said something really key there, Jordan. You're there to have conversations with these people. A lot of agents, they're a little bit antisocial almost. Um, yeah. You, you're in the business 
there's two i don't know if, if you agree with this jordan there's two parts of a successful broker agent now there's the online activity and you need to be social don't you jordan yeah i think social super important it's they don't want to just come in and be pitched on how great the house is when they're coming in and they've heard it from likely every other agent yeah. from the open houses they went to so i i just kind of step back and let them do their thing and i'm there if they have any questions about the house but i'm, I'm not following them around from room to room and getting up in their face kind of thing yeah. no one likes a pushy salesperson at the open house so no no it's i mean that'd be the equivalent of walking into a store and having the clerk follow you around while you're picking out your shoes or something you know it'd, it'd be yeah, exactly. weird. they come offer you if you need a hand and once you're ready they're kind of there for you so that's yeah that's what i do i just very relaxed very laid back and let them do their thing and just offer support at the end did you use any technology at your open houses or was this just old school pen and paper just old school i just yeah give them a feature sheet when they came in and talk to them and if they gave me their info then i just put it in my phone and okay what house i met them at and when i when i went home after the open house and I'd put them all into my database, but what would be your first follow up with them? I mean, I know it kind of depends on the conversation, but let's just say uh, it wasn't somebody that um, you took out and showed additional property to. Um, they just said, yeah, set me up with a search. So you, you know, but what, how did you start your follow up? Yeah. So the main thing, like I kind of got in my own way off the start. Mm. Not not so much with everybody, but I assumed everybody in the public, I guess, in a lot of cases, knew more than they did. Um, and still to this day, not everyone knows how it works, right? So I'd start with, say you, for instance, I met you. So I'd get home after I'd shoot you an email. Hey, Thomas, great meeting you today at the open house. Um, if you have any questions, let me know. And then I'd go into like, just to let you know, I can get you into any house in the um, city. So whether it's Century 21, Remax, Coldwell Banker, um, I can get you in, just let me know. And then if I have their criteria from the open house, I'd put them on an auto email yep. and then follow up just, you know, every week. Hey guys, you know, this one fits your criteria. Let me know if you'd like to take a look. But I found that like I'd get a ton of responses from people saying, oh, I didn't know you could show me that one. Like mm -hmm. they thought they had to go through the listing agent for every property. So just something to lock them down kind of thing. Just let them know that, Hey, Sask houses, or I guess what it's called here for sale by owner site. Yeah. Um, anything we can help you out and just make sure you kind of lock that down. You made a huge point there because we do assume too much. Uh, and I think it's because I don't even think it, it, it's a negative thing. I think we're, we're, we don't want to uh, condescend our, our people because we know how much information is available to them. Correct. But, but they're drowning in that information and they're starving for our wisdom. So we need to start out and, you know, and there's a way to tactfully introduce them to how this works. And if they know, then you can move on. But I think that's a huge point because I, I, I had a friend of mine in Chicago lose a listing once because the other listing agent was going to put it on this amazing website where all realtors would see it. And it's, a, of course, our multiple listing service, but he just assumed yeah. they knew that he was going to do that, that all realtors do that. So he never brought it up. 
and he lost the listing over that. Yeah, it's crazy. And I've, I've had that happen, not losing it that way, but going to list it and, and the comment comes up like, you're going to put this on MLS, right? Yeah. And I was like, well, well yeah, like, I, but yeah, you just assume they know, but not always the case. Well, and then um, we kind of discuss what makes your company unique to the people wanting to come on board because obviously you're growing, but what have you done in the marketplace to stand out against your competition? Why do people work with your company over the competition? Uh, before Jordan um, answers that, I've, we're going to have to wrap it up for our podcast um, audio, Thomas, and then maybe Jordan can answer that in the bonus content. Okay, Jonathan's famous cliffhanger. You're going to have to join us on the video uh, over on YouTube or on the MailRite site to see how Jordan answers this. Uh, so for the sake of our listeners on the podcast, we're going to sign off, but we'll continue in just a moment. But Jordan, would you please give people your commercial? How do people get in touch with you if they want to meet you, consider uh, working for you or buy or sell property through you? Yeah. Uh, best place to probably find me is either on my website, which is jordanvoice.com or find me and add me on Facebook and shoot me a message. I pretty much either or Facebook okay. messenger text, same thing nowadays. So have and that on all day. We'll have all your contact info up on the show notes as well. Perfect. All right, Jonathan, you, how do people get in touch with you if they want to have an amazing experience online with their marketing? Um, just, con just go to the website, uh, mail-right.com. Um, we've got a chat bolt on there. You could email with us. We've got a contact page. got the phone number. Um, we're on Facebook, Twitter, bit like Jordan, you know, I'm always available almost six days a week, Thomas. Back to you, Thomas. All right. And I'm Thomas J. Nelson with Big Block Realty in San Diego, California, where I'm serving the military. I'm serving the 55 and up community. And unfortunately, I'm helping a lot of people go through a, a divorce with their real property, but I'm helping to make uh, informed decisions doing so. And as someone that's been through that himself, um, I have a unique uh, experience <laughs> to bring to that. So um, if I can be of help to you, reach out to me at 858-232-8722 or find me on my website at thomasjnelsonrealtor.com. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. Join us over on video for the bonus content. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm.